Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have, I mean, I'm sure it's a relatively boring car because it's not because it's a Persia, but because it's not, uh, as far as I can tell, a very interesting Persia. But, again, it's a new car, so I am, for the most part, obligated to do it. But I think some of you will find this interesting, purely from a perspective of, we haven't heard anything about this car in a little while. And I'm talking about the 2021 Persia 5008. Apparently it has a new, fresh look, and that's very much true. And a new interior, which I'm more excited about. Anyway, let's get into it. The veil has been lifted on the facelifted 2021 Peugeot 5008, and while the updates are relatively minor, they will keep the SUV fresh until the all-new generation model hits the market in a couple of years' time. It looks very much like the slightly smaller 3008. Alterations start at the front with a new frameless grille that includes some new angled fins beneath the headlights. Speaking of the headlights, they too are new and include LED technology as well as hook-shaped daytime running lights with a chrome tip. 5008 models in GT and GT pack forms include full LED headlamps with an extended light signature and a bend lighting function. Spin around to the rear, you will find new taillights with full LED technology, including for the reverse lights as well as intriguing light signatures that are covered by a clear piece of smoked glass. Customers buying the new 5008 will have a handful of colors to choose from, consisting of celebus? Celebus? I think it's celebus, but that might be bad. Celebus blue. Metallic copper, pearl white, artense gray, platinum gray. Why do you need two grays? Perla nera black and ultimate red. I think there should be a rule that if you're going to have a gray, it should be a darker gray. Because gray can't, genuinely, gray can look good. But more often than not, dark gray looks better, I think, than light gray. Because once you get to light gray, that's basically silver. There should, there should be a rule for cars where if you're going to have variations of white, when it goes to like white, silver, and gray, you have to have a bright white, a like brushed aluminum silver or dark gray. That's it. You can't have any other variations. Unless it's a, but unless it's a custom color. Like unless it's a custom option ordered from the factory then sure, but you can't have two different types of gray because that's just stupid. It's it's gray and grayer. <laughs> like you have a whiter gray and then a blacker gray. You have a a whiter gray and a grayer gray. That doesn't make any sense. Moving on from that though. The veil has been lifted on the facelifted 2021 Peugeot 5008, and while the updates are relatively minor, they will keep the SUV fresh until the all-new generation model hits the market in a couple of years' time. Alterations start at the front with a new frameless grille that includes some new angled fins beneath the headlights. Speaking of the headlights, they too are new and include LED technology, as well as hook-shaped daytime running lights with a chrome tip. 5008 models in GT and GT pack forms include full LED headlamps with an extended light signature and a bend lighting function. Spin around to the rear and you will find new taillights with full LED technology, including for the reverse lights as well as intriguing light signatures that are covered by a clear piece of smoked glass. Customers buying the new 5008 will have a handful of colors to choose from, consisting of what well, we we already we just talked about that. That I feel like they just copy-pasted that by accident. Although I think I forgot to talk about Perla Nera Black and Ultimate Red, which is quite nice. Modifications made to the updated 5008 continue into the cabin as well with the French automaker's latest iCockpit interior layout that includes a 10-inch infotainment touchscreen and a 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster. The SUV also includes piano key-style switches for key functions such as the radio, air conditioning, vehicle settings, telephone, hazard lights, mobile applications, and navigation settings. 
For 2021, various interior trims will be offered, including red Napa leather upholstery and Mistral black Alcantara accents. A handful of key technologies have also been launched with the new 5000A, including a night vision system that, that once again circles right back around to what I was talking about a little while ago. That night vision was something reserved for just the S-Class, and now we're seeing it you know, not only on Cadillacs, which to be fair is a luxury model, but now we're seeing it on a Peugeot. That's incredible. Adaptive cruise control with stop and go function, lane position assist, extended recognition of traffic signs, and the automaker's latest generation emerg automatic emergency braking system. Four powertrains will be offered in Europe. They include a 1.2 liter three cylinder petrol, a 1.6 liter four cylinder petrol, and a 1.5 liter four cylinder diesel, and a two liter four cylinder diesel. Pricing details have yet to be announced, but the SUV will land at European dealerships before the end of the year. Except pricings have been pricing has been announced, and I can tell you what the what the price is right now. The 3008 and the 5008 SUVs have been priced at the very least in the UK. Persia has announced UK pricing for the 2021 3008 and 5008 SUV or sorry 3008 and 5008 SUVs that were unveiled in early September. The 2021 3008 will be available in entry-level active premium guys from £26,175 or $33,725 before on-road costs. The variant features a 1.2-liter PureTech three-cylinder engine rated at 128 horsepower. The active premium is also, is also available from £28,165 or $36,289 with the diesel 1.5-liter blue HD, HDI that's also producing 128 horsepower. One step up in the range is the 3008 Allure, sold in 1.2 liter petrol, 1.5 liter diesel, and hybrid 225E E EAT8, and hybrid 4300E EAT8, that's E hyphen EAT, eight forms. Prices for the 1.2 liter Allure start at £27,775, or $35,787, and tops out, <laughs> tops out, get this, at £42,730, or, or $55,056 for a hybrid 4300 That's kind of a lot, but if it has the interior to back it up, then it's not too bad. I mean, let's be real here. If Chrysler had a comparable CUV, it would probably top out at around the same. So that's, that's really not too bad. Other 3008 variants include the Allure Premium, GT, and GT Premium. We can see the full pricing below. The most expensive model on offer is the 3008 GT Premium with the hybrid 4300 powertrain. And that's going to start. Now, this is where things start getting a little bad. The price is going to start at £45,980 or $59,243 before on-road costs. By comparison, the 2021 5008 starts at £28,600 or $36,850 in base active premium form with the aforementioned 1.2-liter three-cylinder engine making it $2,425 or $3,124 more expensive than the equivalent 3008. Like its smaller sibling, the 5008 is also available in Allure, Allure Premium, GT, and GT Premium guises, and offers 1.2 liter and 1.6 liter petrol engines, as well as 1.5 liter and 2 liter diesels. Interestingly, the 5008 isn't available with any hybrid powertrains. That is a little odd. Both the 2021 Peugeot 3008 and 5008 will land in UK showrooms in early 2021. And, well, <laughs> it's early 2021. Although I imagine they kind of mean like first quarter, so March, maybe, I don't know, third week this month. So let's go a little bit more in depth on the 3008 prices because we, we have a sheet for that. All right, so that's hard to read. Can I zoom in? Please allow me to zoom in. Ah, that's too much. Okay, so the cheap active premium with the 1.2 liter PureTech 130 
SNS six-speed manual will start, the on-road MSRP is $27,160. Then the most expensive model is the GT, no, is the GT Premium. It's the Hybrid 4 300E Eat 8. And that, I think the final price is 47,430 pounds. So, that, so you, you have a, like a 20 grand difference between the cheapest and the most expensive, but I'm not sure that's all too bad. And then for the most part, the rest of the models go from you know 27,000 to 29,000. Uh, so the active premium starts at 27 for the aforementioned model. And then if you get the 1.55 liter blue HDI 130 SNS six-speed manual, that's a, that's a diesel that goes to 29,110 pounds. If you go for the Allure, with the 1.2 liter PureTech 130 S&S six-speed manual, that's 28,760 pounds. If you go for the 1.2 liter PureTech 130 E8 S&S eight-speed efficient automatic transmission, that then you're gonna go up into the 30,360 pound mark. And so basically, more obvious, you know, obviously the manual here is cheaper than the automatic, but as far as I can see, the difference in price basically jumps 2,000 pounds each, each, uh, not actually each trim level because the active premium is 27,000 with the SNS manual, you know, the cheapest active premium and the cheapest allure is only 1,000 more. So for some models, the jump is pretty big from, from the basic trim level, but from let's say manual to automatic or from petrol to diesel, it's a two grand difference for the most part, except for when you get to the allure with the hybrid two, uh, 225E, I think that's a six, no, it's an eight. Because that starts at 37,530 pounds. And then if you go for the hybrid 4 300 EE8, that's 42,530 pounds. So it's a big price gap. Moving on to the 5008, though, that, once again, as we talked about, starts at 29,585 pounds. And that's for the active premium 1.2 liter PureTech 130 SS 6 speed manual. If you decide to opt for the 1.5 liter, liter blue HDI 130 SS 6 speed manual, then you're going to jump up to 31,555 pounds. So the jumps here to an extent, well, for that model, for the, for the 5008 active premium, it's just a little bit more extreme. But then when you go for the Allure, that's a 2,000 pound difference. If you go further into the Allure range, it's still a 2,000 pound difference. And if you go for the very bottom, which is the 2 liter blue HDI 160 SNS 6 speed efficient automatic transmission, which is a diesel, that is. 36,455 pounds, which is only roughly a thousand and a bit more than the trim below or than the option below it, which is the 1.5 liter, 1.5 liter blue HDI 130 E8 SNS 8 speed efficient automatic transmission. What's interesting though is that the GT Premium here only tops out at 40,905 pounds, and that has a 2 liter blue HDI 180 SNS 8 speed efficient automatic transmission. So and once again, that's a diesel. So it doesn't top out, it would seem, as high as the 3008. Well, you know why that is? It doesn't have any hybrid options. That's probably why, because the hybrid, that integration, that technology, all of that stuff likely adds cost. So basically, for the 3008, you're gonna be spending nearly, you're gonna be spending 60,000 pounds. And for the 5,000, for the 5,008, you're gonna be spending about 50 grand, even though, I, as, far, as far as I know, that's bigger. So that, that's rather interesting, all things considered, that it's not, it's not actually as expensive. So effectively, if you're looking for a cheap crossover Peugeot and you can't decide between the 3008 and the 5008, if, if money is the object, go for the 5008, go for the bigger model. Normally, I wouldn't say go for a car that's bigger than you need, that's bigger than you actually need, that's bigger than necessary for your, for your needs. But, but the fact of the matter is, that's the cheaper model. 
when all is said and done, once you get to the top of the line, that's the cheaper model to go for. That is about the most peculiar thing I've seen in a while. Alrighty, objective stuff aside, let's talk about the looks. I don't think it's particularly... I'm not, necessar I'm not necessarily sure it's all that interesting. Well, <laughs> well, I stand corrected, except for the interior. The exterior isn't all that interesting, but I think it's good looking. I think it's a very, very good looking crossover when all is said and done. It kind of looks like a Renault, like a modern Renault Espasmi in the sense that it kind of looks like a minivan, which is kind of poorly because it's not one. So it just kind of looks like a weird, elongated, but not tall hatchback, like minivan. It's a very, very strange strange looking thing to explain it's just that the quarter window is so big and there's no real defined d pillar because you have this silver like not chrome but the silver outline going around the greenhouse and then you have this painted this painted black plastic that's meant to look like it's a part of the window so there's it, there's no clear d pillar but the thing is it's not like a floating d pillar like a, like on a lot of nissans it's just more like the entire side of the vehicle is glass it's it's strange but what also makes it even more strange is that the belt line is actually really really high so the windows are long but they're not necessarily all that tall it's proportionately it's just a little bit strange to me but i think i i maintain what i say about volvos where i say that Perchel's found a design language that's done properly very very hard to mess up i can't think of a car they've made recently that i that i don't like in some way and the 5008 i do vaguely like I kind of kind of like it so good good marks to Peugeot for that one now the interior though let's see if we can get more shots in the interior there's not that many shots so I like the pattern on the seats it's almost like it's a, it, it's a weird kind of pattern because it's you know the shape of the Renault logo so imagine two of those and they connected in the middle I'm not sure what that shape is but that's what they've essentially put at the very least for this model that we see in the press photos that's what they've put on the seat on the on the seats except for the headrest and the bolstering, but I don't want to say the seat backs, because I think that's like the literal back of the seat, but yeah, where your back genuinely touches the seat, that's where they put that pattern, that Renault-style shape, and I, you know, I like that a lot, it, it almost made me think of like the, that texturing that they do for heated seats, where it's just that weird, not bad, but just weird shape kind of, kind of patterning for a lot of heated seat products, that's what it made me think of, it's sort of like a Oh, oh god! Like, not, is it a space heater? I don't. I don't think it's a space heater, because I'm remembering this from like from old Bugs Bunny cartoons, where I think it was a hotel, and I think Daffy Duck had to turn the lever. And it's so it's almost like a radiator. It's almost like a radiator kind of kind of pattern, except it's more like I guess a little metal sixty space heater kind of thing, maybe seventy space heater. But but yeah, I'm thinking of a, a little metal box where Daffy Duck turns the lever and then that heats up the room. It's a very specific episode of, of Looney Tunes that I could go more in depth at explaining, but I'm not going to because I've already belabored my point. But that looks good. The dashboard, as I've just seen, though, I'm not so fond of. And the reason why is because it's, it's plain. It's really, really plain. And I'm not saying that simplistic designs are bad or that, or that minimalism is necessarily bad because it's not. I just think they've gone a little overboard. What I do like is that they've done a very, very good job at angling the touchscreen towards the driver. I don't like that it's a stick-on tablet, but I do like that they've angled it towards the driver. And to an, to an extent, they've even angled the air vents. As a passenger, though, I, I could imagine, unless they have one on the other side and I just can't see it, 
it seems like they only have one air vent for the passenger. And that, as, as someone who has been a passenger and who is warm-bodied, I dislike. But, yeah, it, it, it actually seems, and this is going to be ironic coming from someone who likes Vipers, it almost seems claustrophobic for a crossover. Like a Dash, the, the, the center stack is very, very close. It's angled towards the driver. The lower console is very high up. It just, to me, makes for a very claustrophobic driving experience. You know how you see those couples who, and I don't mean to offend couples who have done this, but you know how you see those couples who in their house, the wife and the husband have two separate beds? That's what it's like in the interior. They've separated the driver and the passenger so, so much. It's like it's like those couples who have those separated beds. It's and it not and it's not and it not being because they just prefer to sleep in their own bed it, it, because it has a deeper meaning. That's sort of what it's like. It's about the most almost like loneliness-inducing interior <laughs> I've ever seen. It's so weird. I. I'm okay with the, moving away from that, I'm okay with the gauge cluster, though. It's, it's just a, a massive screen, it's a, you know, a massive TFT screen cluster thing, which, obviously, I'm not quite a fan of, because I think there's an artistry to a really, really well-done gauge, which is the old, which is the incredibly old-fashioned old fart in me talking, but I like the graphic that they did choose for the gauges. Those are, those are very, very nice. Like, I can't get over how high up that that center con that lower console or center console perhaps seems to be. It really is like they split the interior between between driver and then pa and then passenger like uncomfortably slow, uh, uncomfortably. I can't speak uncomfortably so. It really is like a split bed, and it's the most peculiar. This is the most peculiar thing I've ever seen. Not that not the pricing crap that is. That is very, very funny, though. And it, although I will say, I, the, the center console and the center stack, they're so high up, I'm not seeing any redundant controls for the HVAC functions either, and I don't, I don't like that. I will make a point of that. I'm not quite a fan of that change. Can I see the interior? Yeah, the lower center console, or the center console, it actually rises up a little bit. It doesn't look high at the start, but then it, it, it rises quite a bit, it would seem. That is just a little bit claustrophobic looking to me. That That's so weird. That's probably one of the funniest things I've seen in a normal car in a really, really long time. In any case, so I do hope you all enjoyed me rambling about <laughs> the height of a center console and, and split beds for a little while. If you did, please like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, then please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do actually subscribe, I really do appreciate that. Please hit the little notification bell so that you don't miss an upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, and you might want to, hey, you got to fill in your time somehow, especially if it if you want to listen to more car news, then that's definitely a good way to do it. Uh, and if you don't want the pod be mobile app, then that's not an issue. Just before you set off, please, before you set off, type in Cody's Car Conundrum anywhere you get your podcast, and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I'll see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full-throttle content. 
Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.